0: Oh, good afternoon, Dennis. Another Friday afternoon. I know you're ready to fire everything up today. <laughs> Always with you, mate. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, a bit of a quick refresher. Last week, you looked through the Southeast a- Asian herb, Java yes. tea. Yes. Uh, you wanted to do two herbs, but yeah. this time around, yes. we'll take a look at the uh, herb that comes out of South Asia and India. Yeah. I and mean, this one, Dennis.
1: Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. Interesting. Okay. Very mm-hmm. interesting herb. Some have seen the herb uh, as the Indian ginseng. But we'll talk about it in a moment because I have a, had a lot to do with ashwagandha over the years and know a bit about it. And listeners, will be very interested to know the possibilities of this herb, which is making an impact now, even in our Western system.
0: All right, We're going to try and jam all of that into okay. in about 45 minutes. eh? <laughs> okay. But first, Dennis, ashwagandha okay. is the herb. Now, okay. Okay. I know you're only jumping into your intro, but what does that word actually okay. mean? Ashwagandha is a Sanskrit word. And for
1: those listeners that wonder what that is, Sanskrit is probably the oldest language uh, associated with with mankind. It was the language of the civilization that is known as the Indus Valley civilization, which is that northern part of India uh, in which the Vedas were written. So the language that was uh, characteristic of those people and the literature that was written at that time uh, was Sanskrit, and uh, Sanskrit is still taught today. When I was at university, I had the privilege of listening to a very scholarly man I give a very, very good series of lectures on the history of Sanskrit. So Sanskrit has made a big, how can I call it, uh, name, uh, in even in Indian traditional medicine. So Ashwagandha is a Sanskrit name, um, and essentially it means... This is what I was waiting for, Dennis. Okay. The smell of a horse. Now, uh, in many names that are associated with Indian traditional medicine, and let me just say that ashwagandha belongs to what's called the Ayurvedic system of medicine, which is the traditional system of medicine that goes back uh, even hundreds, if not thousands of years before the Greeks. And... um, Ayurveda um, is a unique system of medicine which to these days is still taught in uh, recognised universities in India and is a registered uh, medical modality in India. So it it still lives on. But the name of many herbs is, uh, how could you call it, unusual to us because they're frequently named after unique (coughs) characteristics of the herb. For instance, when we talk of ashwagandha, um, the Sanskrit word, um, we think of why did they call it that? Well traditionally if you were to harvest the herb it would have a smell about the root um, that would convey uh, the smell of a horse. The opposite of course is uh, and might I just say that ashwagandha is probably the one of the leading remedies in this Indian traditional system of medicine for addressing many men's conditions so that in, in cases of male infertility, uh, ashwagandha would be seen as a remedy, one of the remedies that males would be offered. On the other hand, the equivalent to ashwagandha, as far as female reproductive problem, uh, properties or problems are concerned, is the herb known as shadavari. Now, shadavari obviously is a Sanskrit term, uh, but it basically means she who can accommodate a hundred husbands. Now, oh, hello. <laughs> the, the, the name was given to the herb because it was acknowledged that that herb, when it was used in traditional medicine, improved the fertility of the woman, which in a, in a traditional Indian culture was very important from the point of view of promoting multiple children. Family um, and all that. Um, now, yeah. getting back to ashwagandha, ashwagandha <laughs> these days is seen as a, as a herb with multiple, multiple benefits, and I could talk all day on it. As I said earlier, it is considered to be the equivalent to the Chinese Panax ginseng and is therefore a great remedy for promoting stamina, a great remedy for promoting, if you like, an accommodation to a lot of stress and anxiety. Hence it's called in Western herbalism, which has taken it on board by the way, as an adaptogen. And an adaptogen means uh, natural remedies, mainly herbs, which are used to promote uh, better tolerance to stress and anxiety and tensions particularly characteristic of Western society. Now, I know a little bit about this because for many, many years I have taught a one-semester program in, in Ayurvedic medicine for health professionals, and these two herbs uh, I know back the front. Uh, the herb ashwagandha, uh, for those out there that are a little bit more interested in botanical names, its botanical name is Withania omniferum, but that's beside the point. But ashwagandha, I'm interested in it as I was interested in um, Java tea last week, because it represents, if you like, one remedy in a traditional system of medicine that is esteemed, that has proven characteristics, that is used in that culture to address a spectrum of serious health problems. And in and in, in, the, in the same way, um, looking at Java kidney tea, looking at ashwagandha, they both represent highlight herbs. Now, last week, We looked at the herb that I colloquially refer to as Java tea, or better known as Java kidney tea. And I think I'd be one of the few uh, practitioners that actually have used that herb and continue to use that herb for addressing certain problems associated with the failing kidney, and sometimes very successfully. Ah, but like many traditional remedies, in these countries now, Mark, the academic establishment, the universities, with pride are looking at some of their major traditional remedies and subjecting them to modern scientific and clinical analysis. So last week we put the case for saying that there is evidence emerging now from a Malaysian university in particular which suggests that Java kidney tea is not just useful for a a physical condition like a failing kidney, as I call it, but it is developing a reputation to address dementia as an early intervention, Now, that is a major consideration and good work for the Malaysians at looking at one of their traditional remedies and not being too damn proud to put it up as a remedy that has a role to play in a culture that frequently can't afford the costs of Western medicine. And the same in Indian culture. They are looking at ashwagandha now, and this is what I wanted to bring up today, not just as a remedy to help fertility, not just as a remedy to address stress and adaptation to it, But they are now saying in a paper from a major Indian university that modern looking at the characteristics of this herb and clinical trials which form the basis of this paper by one of the Indian universities suggest that it has a role to play as a complementary medicine in the management of prostate cancer. Now, all the critics out there will be on my back saying, oh, Dennis Stewart is teaching the." that this herb cures cancer. That is nonsense. What I'm saying is complementary medicine purports or suggests the idea that there are a range of natural substances which can improve frequently the outcome of modern conditions and this herb ashwagandha in the final sentence of the paper that I reviewed again this morning before I came makes the statement that this could be a useful appendage to the medical management prostate cancer
0: sort of really taking a look these days at a lot of these uh, herbs a lot of things that are, are somewhat innovative yeah.
1: yes look i am it's a it's a, a significant interest that i've had particularly in uh, looking at modern or common western conditions that uh, have limited approaches you might recollect last week when we were talking about dementia um, we we spoke about Java kidney tea, a novel remedy emerging from uh, from Southeast Asia, particularly Malaysia. But in the interlude, I've been re- re- reviewing the whole topic. And even as late as last night, can you believe it? Late last night. I was going through my 17th edition of the Merck Manual. Now, the Merck Manual for listeners is, is a very authoritative medical, conventional medical text. And there, looking at the section dealing with dementia is part of my interest in it. It was interesting to see that even in the Merck manual, ginkgo biloba was called up as a potentially useful drug for the management of uh, of dementia in its early stages. Now, uh, this impressed me because I was not aware that it was in the Merck manual before. And this is useful because there are still a lot of uh, cynics in what I call the, the right wing of mainstream medicine that question anything herbal. But here we have a major... Um, Western text, the Merck manual, uh, stating that ginkgo biloba may have a role to play in the management of ginkgo. And I gave the first lectures in this country on ginkgo biloba. And interestingly, uh, a a, a major name associated with this university had a lot to do in getting ginkgo biloba on the map in Australia. I'll, I'll not go there. So looking at traditional remedies now, such as Java tea as a useful thing for the early stages when memory is starting to falter. That's one of my fascinations. And hence, looking at remedies like ashwagandha, which has a broad spectrum of usage, but now emerging as a novel remedy in traditional South Asian medicine, Ayurveda-based, to address a Western, well, it's not only a Western, but a very common Western disease, Mm. uh, prostate cancer, seeing that it may have a role to play. Latest coming away this morning in an authoritative text that I frequently lecture from and refer to, uh, there was the definition of the herb, having, if you like, cytotoxic characteristics and immunostimulatory characteristics, which justify, even from the properties that it has, of its potential to be useful in some form of cancerous conditions. This is emerging now as a result of the work being done in India on this popular ancient Indian herb, a new role for it to play in a male condition, and male conditions are very popularly treated with this herb. I even use the herb in my male treatments, but now we're seeing that it has an expanded role to play potentially, potentially as a cheap companion, complementary remedy unlikely to conflict with anything but may be asserting some of those characteristics which are defined in the literature associated with these properties.
0: All right. Well, a little bit more health naturally on the way. 49216216 if you have a question for Dennis. Look, I know we normally do health stuff, but maybe you could even expand it out to men's fashion today, Dennis. (laughs) No? <laughs> we, we could, but we won't go there. Philosophy, politics, well, you'll yeah, cover it all. Yeah, well, you
1: notice I'm very fashionably dressed today. It's got a sport jacket uh, oh, on? I've got the sport jacket with yes. the patches oh, on the, the elbow. Patches,
0: yeah. They say something, don't they? <laughs> They're saying something. They say it's a, it's a damn old coat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, it's only five years old. Good afternoon, Chris. Now, you've got the hiccups, Chris, I believe. That, that's correct.
1: Chris, tell me something about it. How long have you had the hiccups for?
0: Three years in September. Three years? No way. That really. Well, how it started was I had a a new operation in my groin, and when I came out of hospital, I had hiccups and pneumonia, and I've had pneumonia uh, hiccups ever since.
1: Okay, what treatment have you had for it, Chris?
0: I've been to a few specialists. I've tried acupuncture once, but nothing seems to help.
1: Okay. Have you used any oral medication? Uh, no. Do you get any relief from it at all?
0: Uh, I have yes, oral yes. I have Gaviscon. I get a bit of relief from
1: that. Okay, that that gives me the clue. It it would that would imply that there is a connection uh, between the gastrointestinal tract, particularly what we call the upper gut, or the stomach, or the acidity factor. Yeah. That could be the, the, uh, the factor behind this. Now, look, I'm going to make a few suggestions. No one else has been able to help you, so I'll seek, uh, with no guarantees, to do yeah, something for you. What, okay, I suggest, you. what I suggest you do to start with is uh, drink across the day. I know this sounds simple. Drink across the day about three good strong cups of chamomile tea. Yeah, okay. Now, why am I saying that? Chamomile is one of the most important herbs in Western herbal medicine for addressing anything from inflammation of the gastrointestinal tract, as in say uh, the stomach, right through to addressing conditions that are characterized by spasm, as this one would seem to be. It's a safe herb. Most of my gastrointestinal formulations incorporate to some extent uh, this remarkable remedy, chamomile, which most people only relate to say, giving to kids to get them to sleep. I've never found chamomile useful for that. But for gut conditions where there is anything from acidity through to mild inflammation, through to spasmodic tendencies, it's a great remedy to at least consider, and it's inexpensive. And in the best European tradition, and I say European tradition because in Europe it's a very popular remedy and it is used as a herbal tea or what we call technically an infusion. I would, okay. I would get started with that. Don't expect an overnight effect, but the, the good thing about it is chamomile tea is quite pleasant and uh, you can drink it on its own or, or take some, some honey with it. The second thing is this. In as much that you indicated that uh, Gavascon uh, gave you some benefit, it might be worthwhile also getting hold of some Slippery Elm. Now, Slippery, okay. elm, slippery elm is a powdered preparation. You can get it easily from your health food store. And slippery elm functions as a protective soothing agent on the stomach or gut wall, and is one of the most popular herbs used in our system of medicine to attempt to sedate and quieten down some symptoms that arise from an irritable gut wall. I would suggest to use those two things. The third thing I would say is if you find that chamomile is not as useful as what I would like it to be. Um, the, the herb that follows on quickly from it, particularly in the European tradition, is a herb called lemon balm. Now, yeah. lemon lemon balm is a particularly nice uh, tea to take and it similarly has some of the uh, spasmolytic characteristics that chamomile has. Give it a go. It might get you nowhere, but my goodness, it's got no competition, has it? No, well, it's...
0: It, it becomes unbearable at times. I can
1: understand. I can understand sleep, that. Yeah.
0: And you start to regurgitate your, your
1: food. Yeah, yeah. It's no, not for so uh, the day because yeah,
0: I'm
1: awake. Yes, of course. Now, look, from what you've said, even just then, that encourages me to think that there may be some virtue in trying this. It is inexpensive. It's yeah. not going to conflict with anything other that you might be doing or taking. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasant therapy. And it's got a potential to help. Let us know how you get on, Chris.
0: We really love to hear, uh, Chris, uh, down the road how that goes. Because yep. again, uh, last thing I would have been expected, we were talking about today. Dennis was hiccups, but yeah. three years on, yeah, that's yeah. that's not so, just an inconvenience no, not now. At all. It's it's a nightmare. Good afternoon, Michael at Fletcher. Now you're looking for something to bolster your fitness, Michael. Uh, well, <laughs> well, to a degree, I, I'm sort of looking for some uh, truths, I suppose. It's probably a good way to put it.
1: Okay. Michael, are you right into fitness, are you?
0: Uh, Well, throughout my lifetime, uh, you know, on and off as as best I can, try to look after myself here.
1: Okay. Uh, Are you a competitive sportsman or anything like that?
2: No, no. no. Just a personal, uh, you know, Okay.
1: Well, look, this might surprise you when I say that my reading and my prescribing over many years suggests that the herb that I frequently mention on this program known as Panax ginseng is is a herb that, in in my opinion, for anyone that is pursuing fitness and pursuing, if you like, the ability uh, to perform in a fit way, uh, ginseng goes a long way to meeting that that requirement. And Panax ginseng, or what's called Korean ginseng or Chinese ginseng, uh, is renowned in the sports world for its ability to promote uh, performance and that must obviously mean that it can also assist in maintaining fitness pursuits. So in keeping it simple, I would suggest that what you do to start with is just uh, get hold of a good preparation of uh, Korean or Panax ginseng. Now these days, uh, uh, let me just say that uh, uh, ginseng is not as expensive as it used to be. In fact, uh, it, uh, the, the preparation that we recommend and which I prescribe uh, comes in, in a pack that has a, little, has a series of vials in it with a liquid preparation of ginseng in it. One of those vials taken per day uh, is what's recommended and a pack of 30 uh, is a very inexpensive um, purchase. Uh, I would suggest, suggest you try that.
0: Yeah, you know, I do remember uh, back as a youngster watching some of the uh, bodybuilding guys from yes. from my early days yes. of lifting weights. They'd always have their packets in their little yes. straw and their yeah. vial. Well, that would be um, it.
1: That would be yeah. it. That would be I it. I had a
0: specific question, if yes. you don't mind. Of course, Colias forskoli. Say it again. Uh, Colias yeah. forskoli. I think I'm. Colias. Colias. yeah. yeah. Colias Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's said to be very good for, um, well, firstly, a little bit of uh, vasodilation, some attributes to fat loss, and a good male addition to, like, a herbal regime. Okay. Is, that, is there any truth to that?
1: Uh, some of those herbs um, are frequently promoted, uh, perhaps in, a, in an exaggerated way, uh, right. to impress males with the potential that uh, they might have. You see where I'm coming from, don't you? Um, I'm I'm not going to elaborate too much on it, but you can see how those sorts of uh, properties or potentials uh, would be promoted by uh, people that um, wanted that herb to be used. I know of the herb, I don't recommend it, and what I say is this, and I know you'll Mm. appreciate this and listeners will appreciate it, any herb which has an overt action on the vascular system, such as promoting a significant vasodilation, whether it be prenile uh, vascular dilation or any other vascular aspect of it, needs yep. to be used very, very cautiously, in my opinion, um, yep. and perhaps only by a, med- a medical practitioner or a pharmacist who is aware of its characteristics.
0: And, Michael, if all else fails, a good old-fashioned spray tan and a tank top will have you looking the part, mate, so don't worry too much about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> no, I'm a bit old for that, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Michael. We'll see if we can squeeze uh, Julie and Julie at uh, Blacksmiths. We're talking about a skin condition today for your 16-year-old. What's happening, Julie?
2: Um, well, it's purpley, pinky, colored, um, all on a seat and upper leg.
1: Okay. Now, the first thing, Julie, and you would understand why I'm asking this, you've had the condition obviously investigated? Yes, I've to the
2: doctors, and it's called something like or something like that.
1: So you're, you're, you've, you've had it to uh, your GP and a, and a dermatologist? I don't know
2: whether it's a to a dermatologist, Okay. But she has been to a, a, a GP.
1: And, and the GP has defined it as?
2: Oh, yeah, okay. some Ellis' funny name.
1: Okay. Not Lichen. Not Lichen. Anyway, no. it doesn't matter. Uh, she, she was prescribed what? A topical preparation? A cream?
2: Nothing. Absolutely nothing.
1: And how long has it been there?
2: Oh, a couple
1: of years. she She was. Um, we thought it was because of her ballet. Okay. No. Um, and and does it irritate her or concern her? Or um, I
2: think
1: she said it's cold. It's cold. Okay. Anything that's cold. Is it on the peripheries of or, or the legs or where, where whereabouts? The legs it? and the feet mostly.
2: Okay.
1: Well, that's interesting because if she's a, a ballet dancer. She's obviously really working uh, what we call her peripheries and the, the, yeah. va- the vascular system associated with le- the leg and the feet uh, is obviously under a bit of pressure if she's a ballet dancer. So I'm, I'm going to come to it from, a, from another perspective and right. say that it might say something about a need to promote uh, a mild improvement in circulation and you could run this past her doctor. And what, yeah. I, what I would be doing is suggesting that you mention to the doctor uh, a a course of therapy on a bioflavonoid called rutin, R-U-T-I-N. Now, rutin Rutin. is very safe, and it has a history in medicine, although it is not anywhere near recognised today as it should be. And it has been popularly used to address bruising bruising of the skin, uh, blood vessel damage uh, to the skin, uh, spider veins, and in circulatory problems, particularly with this coldness, uh, mm. naturopaths and herbalists would see as part of their role, uh, harnessing natural substances that have a, a reputation for supporting peripheral circulation. Remember ah. the, the bioflavonoid called rutin and the, uh, the other approach that could reinforce it very nicely would be to get some capsules of ginger. And use yeah. a ginger capsule, say, with each meal. The reason right. being, the reason being that ginger is one of these herbs which has a great reputation for addressing symptoms associated with coldness, whether they're in the hands or feet. Right. I'd, I'd give okay. that a run. Mention it to your GP. I'm sure he or she won't oppose it. No one else is doing much for it. Give it a go. Oh, very good, very good.
0: Look, Dennis, we'll try, so we've got a call coming through, so we'll see if we can get mm-hmm. to that person. In 60 seconds, you mentioned our herb of the, the, day, the day was good for, uh, could be, have some relationship with prostate cancer. Are there a couple of others that you'd use in, uh, in, yeah. in that area?
1: If we see ashwagandha as having potential benefit as a complementary medicine in helping people uh, fight certain levels of prostate cancer, we would have to say the main herb for the most common prostate cancer Condition that is uh, prostate enlargement, benign prostatic hypert- hypertrophy is the herb Sore Palmito. Uh, Sore Palmito is a herb that is useful for the early stages of enlargement, may slow down the process, and the use of it uh, helps to maintain uh, urinary function and lessen nocturnal symptoms. It's next to, well, it's probably the leading remedy. The other remedy that's not popularly known is that the Fijian herb kava is very very useful for addressing what might be referred to as um, prostatitis where you get and, and, and many gentlemen experience this inflammation of the prostate gland kava usually in conjunction with other herbs such as echinacea is a useful way of addressing that other prostate condition let me just say Mark that the male reproductive system is remarkably responsive to traditional medicines and very much useful in at times reinforcing, working with and complementing mainstream medical procedures. Never an alternative. Let me emphasize that, never an alternative because there'll be people out there that'll say, oh, did a saying ashwagandha cures prostate cancer? That's a, a misnomer. What we're saying is here is a remedy like many supplements that people take with or without their doctor's knowledge, that has been shown to have a reasonable chance of helping improve the outcome of prostate cancer.
0: We have literally thirty seconds, so mm. Dennis, I'll bounce back to you on that one. Finally, um, are you finding a lot more people in that cancer space are uh, seeking out um, uh, what what may be on offer for oh, from the from so. uh, alternative medicine?
1: I think this is the message that the mainstream has got to pick up on. That whether they accept it or not, people are voting with their feet. Um, the acceleration of complementary medicine in Western society talks about a changed attitude on the part of the ordinary person in the the population to address health problems. And more and more people are beginning to realise not only the marvels of modern Western medicine, but its limitations. And many people are beginning to accept the attitude that I've accepted for years. No one system of medicine has all the answers. And you can't relegate hundreds if not thousands of years of traditional medicine knowledge based frequently on herbs, you can't relegate that and say that it's not beneficial.
0: You don't get more mainstream than like wearing a sports jacket with uh-huh. uh, patches with on the patches. side. <laughs> Dennis, a great health and naturally. Thank we'll you, catch mate. you next Friday, Thank all you. right?